This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. In today's episode, we're actually going to be interviewing Mr. Ren Lu Yu. And if you have not heard that name, well, you will soon. You just did, actually. <laughs> Mr. Lu Yu, he is the CEO of Frontline Data Solutions. What that is, is actually a data system. It's a software um, company, and they help you with the workflow of your job. So you have your management of change, incident management, all the other stuff that you're thinking about in the oil and gas field, chemical manufacturing, food and beverages, feels like that. You even have uh, some training that you could do online through his company. So we talk a lot about his journey from being a Harvard, and I said Harvard as in the Harvard Business School graduate and working in the fields of uh, capital and uh, financial stuff, right? Big stuff. And then all of a sudden he's like, hmm, I'm looking into some distressed businesses, finds one and decides he's going to get into safety. So we kind of talk about how uh, everything goes or did go with that transition a little bit about the company and the solutions that they solve for you and then i even threw in a bonus for us consultants asked them how can you partner with consultants out there not only to grow your business but to help us out too so we talk a little bit about that as well so i hope you enjoyed this episode there will be no tip of the week because i haven't done that in about a year so after this episode, just going to let you go. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the week. Go get them. Great. Excellent. Well, welcome to the Safety Compliance. See, I don't even know my own show. It's the Safety Consultant Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to talk to Ren Lu Yu, who is the founder of Frontline Data Solutions. And Ren, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. And I really appreciate you. Uh, first, you had me as a webinar guest, and that was really cool, talking about uh, the training aspect and now having you on my show, which is awesome. So thank you so much for, for being a part of the Safety Consultant Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Sheldon. Um, I always start with the basics, right? And everyone does this. It's like, tell me your journey, because I'm looking at your profile and I see Harvard. <laughs> I see Harvard MBA, and I'm thinking, how does Harvard Harvard go with safety? <laughs> where, where, what, what happened there? <laughs> what went right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Some some things went right. Some some things uh, yeah went other ways, um, but. Yeah, so overall, my background, so I, I didn't come from, as you probably guess, I didn't come from a health and safety background. So I started out my career in finance, working in private equity, doing uh, deals in 
uh, technology-enabled business services mostly and, and some healthcare services. And so I did that for a while, when eventually went to Harvard to get my MBA and uh, came out of that. And a few years after, I, I kind of re- wanted to, uh, you know, as they say, get an honest job and do something that I wasn't just moving numbers around. And so, uh, so I basically spent some time doing a somewhat unusual, but increasingly common thing where I went and spent a, about a year just talking to various business owners, talking to a lot of intermediaries and basically looking for a business to acquire. And so I looked at a lot of different industries and frontline was actually the one that I, I came across that uh, I, I saw a lot of potential in. So it's a company for, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a company that makes web-based environmental health and safety tools, uh, primarily for large industrial companies, mostly chemicals, oil and gas, uh, food and beverage, manufacturing, and a few others. And so this company at the time was kind of a sleepy family-owned business that really had had have found some success over the years, but really was just kind of coasting along on its reputation and on the fact that it found a, a nice niche for itself. And so I you know, came, came um, I, I bought out the, the old owners and basically decided to really, you know, put some effort into this in terms of uh, investing in R&D to improve our, our tools, investing in uh, sales and marketing to, to get the word out more so than just just, you know, waiting passively for folks to knock on our door. And so, yeah, that's, that was about five years ago and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Now, um, from your experience from first trying to find a distressed company or at least one that you, you felt that you could, you add some value to. And then now when you started learning a little bit more about safety and health, uh, were there any things that, that really, um, like stuck out to you as saying, man, I, I did not know this about the safety industry (laughs) (laughs) or what what were some of the things that, that, that hit you? Oh, there were, there were a million things. Certainly. I honestly, I, I came into this with some, with a healthy dose of humility because I, I knew that, Look, I, you know, I, I'd spent my career up to that point as what I would describe as a desk jockey, right? So just sitting around, punching numbers into spreadsheets and things, and uh, and so you know, never really setting foot in 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 what I would describe as kind of the physical world of where things get done and things get made and products get produced. And so, you know, there were a ton of things I, I didn't know. I think one of the one of the most uh, overarching things I. I, I kind of had a misconception about was that um, health and safety was all about kind of regulatory compliance, right? That was, that was my assumption coming in that, Hey, OSHA, EPA, DOT, these these organizations have these rules and health and safety is all about following those rules. And that was kind of it. That was was the bottom line. Um, What I came to realize was that it's, yeah, that's part of it certainly, but that's not nearly all of it. There's, there's so much more that companies do and, and our clients are doing that go way beyond what these regulators are, are mandating. And that's purely for kind of pragmatic business reasons. You, know, you want your people to be safe. You want them to stay healthy. You want to avoid incidents, uh, not just, you know, for that, that helps, uh, which helps your employees uh, stay on their feet and you know, stay happy and healthy and also helps the company's bottom line. So there's just so much of that. 
and that extends to not just the U.S. but also internationally. So I, I thought, well, you know, OSHA is a U.S. regulatory body, and so are the other ones I named. And so some of the stuff we're doing you know, must not be relevant to any companies that are outside the U.S. because they're not governed by the same regulation. So how could it possibly make sense for them? And I've come to realize since then that it does actually make a lot of sense for these international companies because a lot of them look to the U.S. for leadership as far as what are the best practices, you know, what what are the um, what are you know things like things like PSM is a is a U.S. framework, but it's been adopted by a lot of other countries, it's in not you know, exactly the same terms, but very similar terms, and that's because it is kind of a best practice for certain types of industries. Yeah, wow. Now that that whole learning and and um, I guess discovery process, if you would, was probably uh, something tough because truly, being a CEO of people or, or should say a company that's supplying support to these type of industries, uh, then uh, I'm, I'm grateful and 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 as a member of the industry that you came into it saying already that you you're thinking of it humbly and that you really wanted to learn. <laughs> so that shows that you had to write intent the right heart to, to figure out some of the, the acronyms and nuances and, and all the, the stuff that we get in the field so used to. The fresh eyes is really one of the things that, that is a, a great benefit to the industry. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Sheldon. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, before I started this, I, you know, the, the term PPE just meant a, a line item on a balance sheet or something, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I never put anything on and had to go you know, walk through a plant and, and, you know, get my hands dirty. But uh, now yeah. that I have, I, I see that there's just, yeah, there's just so much more nuance to it. Oh, yeah. And uh, just truly when when I a lot of my students that come in for like the certification classes that I teach, um, the new students that are just getting into the industry, sometimes it's because they've just got out of an industry that was either they were released unceremoniously or they were just <laughs> bored. Or in some mm-hmm. cases, more recently, it was the, the cutback from uh, COVID, you know. So with those people just getting into the field, one of the things that I, I, I see is their excitement. And then I also see the the wonder and the mystery as they're getting more and more of it, uh, deeper and deeper into it. Uh, had you experienced things like that where you started to, to get more of a, a wondery and, a, and just a feeling of uh, hopefully not where you're overwhelmed but uh what was what was your feeling when you started getting deeper and deeper into the safety uh cultures the safety needs the paperwork and all those type things (laughs) yeah um yeah you know i I, absolutely i mean there's been lots of those types of moments and i i think one thing that really struck me was just kind of how passionate some folks in this industry are about what they do right and so you know, again, this is just born out of my initial ignorance about about this whole field. But you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, when you think about compliance in lots of other industries, so you know, let's say uh, financial services, right? You have a uh-huh. compliance department at a bank. Their job is to make sure the bank stays compliant with all the rules. Okay, um, you know, that's a different kind of compliance, right? Because the stakes, while they're also high. 
the stakes are quite different because those are, those are kind of financial stakes, they're reputational stakes, sort of things like that. Yeah. And in the industries that we're talking about, um, that you have all of those. You have financial stakes, you have reputational stakes, but you also have just like human beings, and, and you have you know the, the stakes are are just totally are totally and much higher and, and totally different. And so you have people that are really passionate about that, and um, you know I, I think uh, that has really impressed me and surprised me that there are, there are folks that are, that are so passionate about this and um, that have you know, made it their careers to make sure that you know, people stay safe, that you know, work gets done, but done in a, you know, in a way that minimizes risks uh, to the people that work there and to the surrounding environment and community. Uh, so, you know, I, I uh, live in Houston, Texas, and you know, periodically I'll, I'll hear about some sort of industrial accident or a gas leak or something that comes from a, oh, you man, know, a nearby so area. area. <laughs> it's so yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. And so, yeah, and that, and that happens uh, somewhat regularly. And frankly, you know, as someone who lives here, uh, that, that has really... It, it really hits home that yeah, I mean, I'm glad that these companies have a robust um, you know safety uh, group and that they are you know not just following the regulations kind of to the to the minimum degree, but also doing a lot more in those cases. And so that that really hits home that yeah, I mean, if there's some sort of gas leak or something that's coming out of a location, you know, ten miles from where I live, well, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really glad that the professionals in this industry are on top of it and. Generally speaking, don't don't worry too much about it because it's you know, usually under control. Like yeah. Well, um, led me to to believe another thing, and uh, or at least uh, a question came up. Was there anything when you started with Frontline that you thought? Hmm. My discipline in the finance world, we could use this in this area to make this business run smoother or more economical. Uh, what what were some of the things that you found? Like, oh man, uh, we could do this, and you married your student, your 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 knowledge with financing with a need that the business had when you took over. Was there anything like that that you uh, you discovered? Yeah, sure. You know, I I think there there is quite a bit of overlap in terms of just the the skill set and the mindset that's required to to do some of this. So, for example, you know, our, our, the name of the company is Frontline Data Solutions, right? And so we're we're in the job, we're in the business of helping folks get things done more efficiently, and then also helping them keep track of what what's happening around them. So keeping track of all the data that's there, uh, making sure that it's uh, easily reportable, that they can pull it up at a moment's notice. And so I, what I found that is that, you know, a lot, a lot of folks that we work with, even a lot of large, very sophisticated companies, they're capturing a lot of information that they don't end up using for anything. Right. So uh, in finance, like information is kind of all you have, because frankly, you know, I, I've done, you know, I've done deals and worked on uh, transactions where, you know, aside from maybe a single site visit, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, that, does this like facility actually exist, right? I mean, it's, there's like a there's like a PNL. I'm looking at like a spreadsheet with some data about it, but like I've never actually been there. Like you know, it says there are 500 employees there. It's like, you know, who are any of these people? They're just names on a on a spreadsheet. So, yeah. um, so you know, their data is kind of all you've got, and so. I think there is definitely still a learning curve in some of these um, 
some of these, uh, you know, industrial uh, companies that are in some many cases very old school in the way they operate in terms of seeing the value in capturing this information and then being able to parse it in a way where they can actually make some decisions. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that comes from my finance background where we're saying, okay, well, yeah, let's help people make decisions based on this information because in my, in the, other, the world that I came from, yeah, that's really all you had to go on. There was no way to, you know, uh, touch and hold uh, kind of, you know, and physically inspect things. Uh, so you, you were just relying purely on, on the data that you're getting. Wow. And data is king, right? <laughs> but data has... <laughs> yeah, these days, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but data, in our case, is generally the reason why you have this data is because of some lagging issue. Uh, it's a lagging indicator that you're, you're looking at. And generally speaking, it's an injury, an illness or something where it's got somebody's name to the data, you know. And so that's uh, truly how with safety and health, we need the stuff. We need the lagging indicators. We need to know uh, some of the things that uh, for us, we value that information around total recordable injury rates, days away, restricted transfer rates, management of change, incident investigation things, meaning the event happened. We now have to dissect it and figure out how it happened and then put it in terms where it could be legally defensible. And that's what the <laughs> front line is doing. It's really giving, giving us the tools, if you would, to be able to do that. That's yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's just, it, it's, it's what we're trying to do and that there's so much more that we could do in terms of, you know, you mentioned lagging indicators and that's obviously important. And a lot of companies don't even have those kind of sorted out, but ideally you'd want to be able to collect data and be able to make certain predictions, right? So identify risk areas, try to head off some of these things before they actually become full blown incidents. Now, frankly, I don't think we're we're quite there yet, either both as a company and as an industry, because because with with any kind of predictions or any kind of probabilistic statements, you really need a lot of data, and that data has to be really high quality because, you know, as the old adage goes, garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you're yeah. collecting information in an inconsistent way, or you know, it's not a complete set then it's really hard to make really say anything about what might happen in the future. And so I, I think that's really the next step to all of this, but I think it's something that you know, I think neither we uh, as an individual company or really as an industry, we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, but you're covering a lot of ground because you're working on management of change, you're working in incident management, corrective actions of your GAT learning management system, which we, we talked about in the webinar that I did with you guys earlier. Uh, contract safety or contractor safety is part of your services. And a lot of people need this help, especially when they got uh, subcontractors and make sure that they're doing the right thing. Uh, so you've got a lot of solutions there. Is that a growth model? Uh, so every time you, you hear a need and uh, and something comes up, you're thinking, "Oh, we could do this," and uh, <laughs> you, you add to it. Yeah, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So I think I think that definitely is uh, one of the main ways we identify where we should be focusing our, our engineering efforts. 
you know, but then, then again, it's, it's tough though, because it's easy for, for your, uh, what's the saying? It's like for your eyes to get bigger than your stomach or whatever, whatever oh, the, yes. the saying is. Right. So it's, it's easy to see a lot of things where say, Oh wow, this doesn't work that well. We, we could do better. Or, Oh you know, I, I heard from this customer that they have this need that seems like you know, no one's able to fulfill right now, but it's tough because there, there are a, a lot of idiosyncratic needs where it's hard to say, oh, just because one or two clients brought something up, this really is a genuine kind of systemic thing that lots of people uh, could use help with. And it's also uh, an issue of, well, does this really make sense given kind of everything else we're doing, right? So you know, there's lots of lots of wacky stuff that I could dream up and, and I have uh, that really have nothing to do with uh, any of our other products and don't really fit neatly into uh, everything else that we're doing. And so, yeah, so th those things might be a, a real need and they might be really interesting projects, but it's not something that I'd want to you know, drag our whole engineering team <laughs> into to, to pursue. So oh, man. yeah, what what, the takes. latest thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just, there's just so much out there. You know, the, the latest thing that we're working on is uh, something you mentioned a second ago, the, the contractor management and training tool. So you know, we call it Frontline CSM for contractor safety management. So that's a tool that is really born out of what we've heard from, from the market, which is that, yes, everybody has some kind of system in place for orienting and training contractors that are coming through. But given everything that's gone, gone on in the last few years, and just given the, the fact that the status quo is, is very time-consuming and very expensive of having to send people to you know, on-site training or to a computer lab to do web-based training in a, a kind of a specific physical location, yeah. we've heard a lot of feedback that that's, yeah, that just doesn't work that people don't want that anymore, that it's very time, yeah, very expensive, very time consuming for everyone involved. And so, yeah, that was one thing that was just born out of, Hey, uh, we're hearing this a lot. We've you know, valid, we've done our research and kind of validated that, yeah, this, this seems like a real problem that we can help solve. And it's closely related to everything else we're doing because we're already doing training and uh, health and safety, uh, you know, stuff for, all full, uh, the full-time employees at our clients. So yeah, this seemed like a natural extension. Oh, that's excellent. So you're not taking everyone too far out the box <laughs> with, uh, with your team, <laughs> but, uh, but you're yeah. covering things that you believe that's necessary, which it is. Um, yeah. I had another thought because I noticed that you guys, that, that the company has a real good uh, grasp on, on a team. You seem like uh, the people that that you've either hired or, or uh, absorbed into the company when you took over. Took over, uh, they're just really dedicated. I I see that they. Um, I don't know the the and the energy is kind of what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking about that because I I do see and some people that I've I've dealt with John uh, one of the ones uh, that I've dealt with and uh, it seems like. They have a lot of energy, and knowledge, and then passion for for safety and health, and then also to get the word out about the business. Uh, how did you come about it? Because a lot of my listeners are going to be people who are either their own bosses as uh, safety and health, or they're going to be uh, getting into that, and they're currently working for a company, and they're trying to you know get their exit strategy going, and uh, <laughs> they're they're getting ready there. 
But then I also have a segment of people who they've been in consulting for a while and they're ready to start releasing some of this for um, hiring people and trying to get some people in there. What's your philosophy on on hiring and, and getting a team together? And when do you know it's time to get a team member for this project or that? Right. Yeah, honestly, uh, that's that's a really great and, and really difficult question. And I, I certainly don't pretend to have the answer to this. I, I don't, I, frankly, I don't think anybody has the answer. Um, you know, what's worked well for, for us is, uh, well, for one thing, you, you may or may not know this, but our, our whole company is fully distributed. So as of a, a few years ago, we ditched our physical office that was based in uh, based in the Houston area for this model of just going fully distributed. So that was initially the initial impetus for that was COVID. But then with it, after a few months of working in that model, I found that that worked pretty well and that I mean, you know, I made the, the call to, to take it fully remote. So everyone you know, works, works from their own home office these days. So I think that that has a few advantages and disadvantages. So and the advantage is that it's people don't like commuting. So our employees are generally happier and uh, kind of more productive because of that. Um, the yeah, other advantage is that we're able to recruit uh, from all over. I think that's been helped a lot. So all the, the folks that you've dealt with um, uh, at our company, they, they're all from different places. I, I think none of them are actually in, in Texas where I am, <laughs> so where we are. So, and then the disadvantages of that, it's, it's harder to maintain kind of a coherent company culture, right? You have to really go out of your way to make sure that people are interacting, that they feel like they are part of a team and not just off on an island sitting in their home office or living yeah. room or wherever they are and just, you know, in their own little silo. So, yeah, so I think that that's always tricky. And when I hired folks like that, you know, I think people put too much weight on on precedent. So I think a lot of people like to hire folks that say, okay, well, I'm hiring for XYZ role. I'm going to hire somebody who has done exactly XYZ in the past. Right. And so for me, frankly, that that's just not really possible in our market because uh, because you know, with health and safety, yes, there are plenty of professionals out there who have done some work uh, in that space. But if I'm trying to hire, let's say, a, a software developer or maybe uh, a, a client support person or something like that, it's almost never the case that they have both experience in those specific functions and they have ex- you know, expertise of some kind of experience in health and safety also right so there's there's like a the venn diagram on that is just like there's like almost no you know overlap between circles yeah so yeah so i I think for me i think being able to hire well comes down to it's a bit like investing it's you know you have to be able to see value somewhere where other people don't recognize it and so when i say value i might i mean things like someone's skill set, uh, maybe you know, it's a, unconventional, maybe their background is a little bit outside the center of the bullseye for, for a role that, that you're hiring for, but you're seeing something in terms of maybe they have, you know, they've worked on certain side projects where it uses the same skills. That's what you're hiring for. Even if they, even if they don't have great direct experience or maybe they're 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 they have fewer years of experience than you were you were hoping for but you know maybe they're they've demonstrated that 
they're able to land on their feet and be a quick learner and to, to ramp up into, into the jobs that they've had. And so that maybe that gives you comfort that even though they're kind of underexperienced for a particular role, they're still a good hire. So, yeah, I mean, there's no silver bullet, but I think, I think for me, the key is kind of seeing value where other people may not recognize it. Oh, no, that's great. Because generally when you're thinking about, especially someone that is going to be a remote, you want to make sure that they're going to be dependable. You want to make sure that they, uh, they're they going to um, time manage properly. Uh, but then also you want to make sure that they are skilled at what they're doing. So you've, you've managed that, but then, you know, the I like that that idea of also looking for the intangible or at least going with your gut <laughs> and then you could see oh yeah this person's more than just this job description in this case yeah some some people i've just found are just much better at both putting together a resume and at interviewing than other people <laughs> yeah so it's, it's it's easy to be seduced by someone who looks really polished and shows up in the interview and they just give a great 30 minute interview and it's hard to it's, it can be hard to separate that from someone who is going to be a genuinely great contributor and, and a team player yeah uh, can you talk about the your partnership model with people who are consultants such as myself uh, I, I know it, it may vary from you know person to person consultant to consultant but I uh, I figured that might bring value to the audience uh, that that type of um, knowledge of what your program would do yeah absolutely so this is something that we've launched fairly recently where we're trying to get in touch with what we know what we know is out there that's kind of this long uh, this this uh, diffuse and kind of long tail group of uh, oftentimes small business owners, uh, individual um, you know, kind of sole proprietors working as consultants to to various companies. There we just you know I, I know from personal experience that there are a ton of folks like this out there, but for the most part. Companies in you know in my industry or uh, really you know lots of other related companies they really historically haven't paid much attention to to this this group because it's it is kind of diffuse and it's kind of hard to a lot of these folks you know they, they don't have marketing departments they don't they're not you know out there um, very visibly in a way that you can kind of pull together a list easily and get in touch with them um, so but nonetheless these people are really really sharp. They have great expertise. Uh, folks like yourself who have a, have a ton of experience um, being kind of thought leaders. And so we wanted to reach out to these folks and and establish some sort of relationship. And um, if they're, if the timing is right and the opportunity is right, we'd love to find a way to um, you know, both uh, kind of refer business in both directions. And so um, in the direction kind of, of uh, from, from the clients is uh, we wanted to work with these partners to uh, to be able to refer, basically, if they go into an environment, oftentimes, you know, they're doing audit or they're doing safety training or whatever their, uh, their, their job role is, they may find an environment where they could, that the, their clients could really use the type of tools that we're providing. So, you know, they diagnose, oh, you know, show me your, your training records for this past year. Okay, well, oh, give us a month. Like, we'll, like, pull that, pull together the paperwork. It's like, okay, well why don't you just have a thing where you can press a single button and they'll spit it out. Right. So, um, so the, uh, so, you know, there, there are environments like that where, 
uh, you, I think it's, it's a great opportunity to start a dialogue. And so we have a kind of incentive system in place where um, we, we, you know, once we're kind of, you're, you got the, the partner is part of our program, uh, you know, obviously they can do whatever they want. They can conduct business however they feel like. And if they so choose, they can put us in touch with their clients and um, our our folks will will start that conversation and basically along various points in that conversation, including if we, the, their client actually does sign up with us, um, you know, there's there's financial kind of remuneration for um, you know for the consultant for you know, uh, be, able, be able to refer to us that business. Um, and then beyond that, uh, there's also the opportunity to kind of um, do kind of cross promotion and do kind of co-branded marketing. So, for example. Uh, in our tool, there are a lot of, um, for example, the, there are uh, recurring training items, recurring action items, and things like that. So, um, one thought that we had was, again, depending on the consultant and their interest level and their you know, and their engagement, we could do things like um, have their company branding embedded in our software. Uh, and we can even have things like recurring action items that say, "Hey." Go talk to yeah, every whatever March, uh, you know, March fifteenth of every year. Go go. You know, this action item populates on people's desktops that says, "Hey, go give Sheldon a call to you know initiate your annual training for X Y Z." Right. So, um, so there are a lot of things like that we could potentially do. Again, it depends on the the, the, the exact um, partner and kind of what services they provide and what they're interested in. And then going the other way. Uh, going from us to the partners, there's also a lot of opportunity in terms of allowing us to, uh, you know, we, we, we encounter lots of situations where our clients say, hey, we need help developing certain forms. Uh, we need we need help shoring up our MOC process. You know, we, we need someone to review, create some documentation for us, review our processes, do an audit of what, you know, X, Y, Z, all, all these requests. And we, we hear this all the time because we're we're in the process of saying, hey, so what is your MOC process? Okay, you have to show show us what is you know, tell us what is your uh, data collection process for an incident, and you know, how do you handle corrective actions? And oftentimes we hear the answers like, yeah, we don't really have a process for that, <laughs> right? We're like, oh, we're, we're oh, still yeah. working, on it. don't really know. And so that that comes up a lot, and uh, because we ask that question a lot. And so, you know, they say, "Hey, can can you help us with this? You know, can you can you like come and send an expert to um, to, to you know, help us uh, define our MOC process?" Let's say, and and frankly, we don't do that, right? We're a software company. Um, our our job isn't to be that expert consultant and to um, give these kind of uh, you know informed recommendations about how they should run their business. And so that's why that's another reason why we want to build out this partner network because we are seeing a lot of business. Uh, that you know that's being requested of us a lot of services and we just we're just not equipped to provide that so that would be a perfect opportunity if we have this kind of uh, kind of bench of folks that we uh, are in touch with and we are familiar with what their expertise is and we can say hey here are a couple of names that we know that specialize in the thing that you're looking for and why don't you, why don't you give them a call right so that's something that you know we're, we're more than happy to do because it keeps our clients happy and then we can you know, drive business to our partner network Wow. See, so those of you listening and you're a consultant, then that's another way that uh, frontline data solutions can help you guys out. And especially if you're trying to uh, branch out and, and get out of uh, where you're currently working and you want to build that client base as best as you can or offer solutions to someone, that's a good one, too. Uh, what is the future? What does it look like for the for the organization? 
Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of possibilities out there. So as I mentioned, right now we're focused on getting the contractor safety management application out there. So we're really excited about that. Uh, I think in the next month or so, it should be going live and you know, we'll be out marketing it and, you know, and talking to folks about that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, beyond that, you know, I think, frankly, this industry is so even though it's very niche, it's it's so wide open because there are a lot of companies just in the U.S., just in our core market, uh, core industries that are really behind the technology curve. And they're still relying on things like uh, spreadsheets and uh, manual processes to handle all the things that you know, we work with. And so there's a, there's a ton of opportunity there. And we could spend the next five plus years doing nothing but going after that market. Uh, and so that's certainly something we're focused on. And then beyond that, there you know, something I alluded to earlier was that there's this whole global community out there where a lot of them really look to the U.S. for leadership. And this is in places like Latin America, in the Middle East, um, in India. You know, there's lots of in, in Europe. There, there are lots of uh, different markets that are really trying to model their health and safety after the best practices. And oftentimes those best practices are, are really in the, are defined by the U.S., and so we're, we're, we have maybe, I would say maybe 10% of our customer base that's located outside the U.S. And frankly, those are just, those are just opportunities we kind of fell ass backwards into. We, you know, we really didn't uh, have a concerted plan to, to go after you know, a clients in, in, in Western Europe or in, in, in the, the Caribbean or you know, all these places where we have uh, you know, a few accounts. And so, yeah, that's another opportunity where there's a, to bring our services uh, to these global companies to to make versions of our software that are kind of specialized to these these local markets. And so, that's another opportunity for for the uh, the, the kind of network of, um, of partners and experts that we're trying to build out. Because, frankly, uh, I don't know exactly how how Germany uh, sees health and safety differently from the U S you know, what, what are, what are some of the customs and the best practices that are, that are prevalent there that I have no idea about or in India or in the UAE or, or in many of these other markets. So, yeah, so to be able to kind of build out that network, you know, have uh, experts that can potentially be, you know, have an even greater degree of involvement with us than kind of your typical referral partner type of relationship. I think that would be a great way to go in terms of going after this uh, vast ocean of uh, potential opportunities out there. Wow. Excellent. Well, that is, you got, you got a whole bunch going on there and, and, uh, even, you know, I'm looking into 2025, 2027, 2035. And so it seems like this will be a wonderful going concern for you. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I'm excited for it. Um, I, yeah, I think there, there is just a, a there's really a sea change that's happening right now in terms of folks finally embracing technology in a lot of these areas where uh, yeah, they, they've been kind of resistant in the past. And yeah, so you know, we'll have to see uh, what happens from here. It's uh, you know, a lot can happen this, you know, just in the last month, you know, a lot has happened. So who knows what the world will look like a few years from now, but certainly, you know, the world is always going to need, uh, is going to need, you know, ener- it's going to need energy. It's going to need uh, paint and uh, food and 
beverages and you know materials to make things so these industries are always going to be around and i think if nothing else uh, or, you know, if anything the, the recent events of all the supply chain disruptions and now some of the stuff going on um over you know, in terms of you know, kind of global conflict i think it's shown that you know, every country needs to have a strong base of, of these industries because you know you really can't do anything if you can't feed your population you can't produce basic goods and medical supplies and things like that Wow. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show. Is there any uh, parting thoughts or anything that you want to give to everyone before uh, before I close up or anything that you got? Um, no, no, Sheldon. It's been a real pleasure. And, and you know, thanks again for, for joining us on our webinar and to share some of your experience. And you know, it's been a real pleasure to, to come on your show and be able to talk a little bit about uh, you know, what we're up to. Because, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, yeah I, I'd love to have you back on. Uh, we, we also have a podcast that we're just kicking off so I would love to, to interview at, you at some point and pick your brain some yeah I love those shorts that you guys do so it's it's a really <laughs> good concept uh, especially for for small uh, short detention spans <laughs> you, you yeah, get in there yeah, it's, uh, yeah in the in the in the TikTok world that we're in you know you have to <laughs> you have, it's hard to get people's attentions for you know a, an hour or more at a time yeah, absolutely. So I know I really appreciate it. I am I'm on board, so I'm willing to, to help out any way I can. And uh, and I absolutely uh, think that this is a wonderful concept. I I know for sure that you guys will go far, especially starting to meet and see some of the team. So I'm glad to, to get on board when I can. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Sheldon. It's been a pleasure. All right. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus. 